0: Smashers, how you doing? We're getting well into March now, it's so nearly spring, yes please! Um, to celebrate this episode is me hoovering with one of my dream guests, it's someone whose food I cook, oh, almost definitely more than anyone else is in the universe, and who has blown the minds and mouths of me and most of my friends who are all obsessed with her, um, I'm only bloody hoovering with Mira Soda. <laughs> I know. And she did the cooking. <laughs> yeah, bit of a bloody dream come true. Before we get into it, thank you so much for listening to Hoovering. Um, I love having you as my listener. Please may tell other people about the podcast if you like it. Um, you can rate, review and subscribe if you leave five stars. That helps other people to find it. It's helping us grow and grow and grow. If you've got spare money, I'm on a site called Patreon where you can swap anything from $2 a month up to megabucks if you've got them um, to help me keep improving and growing the podcast and being able to afford better guests and bigger adventures and better equipment and to take time out to make bigger plans um, and in exchange you get stuff like totally exclusive content, recipes from my guests and discounts to as many of the live shows that I'm doing as possible. Um, so coming up in terms of live shows as well I'm at the Northern Podcast Festival and also also the McCuntless Comedy Festival both of those are in May I'll put links in the podcast notes if you go to the Acast page for where you can get tickets for those I think they're both going to be really really great fun Um, also I'm on tour with my show Hench Uh, I would love to have you come and see um one of those shows. I'm going all around the UK. I'm off on the 22nd of March to Melbourne to do the festival there for the whole month. Coming up this week, um, if you're listening on the day that this comes out, I'm in Southampton tonight. I think that's sold out. And then to this weekend. Uh, and they are sold out. Lots of them are selling out. Okay, but next weekend, I'm coming to Wrexham and also Birmingham. And I'm very confident that there's still tickets there if you live anywhere near the middle of this fair land. Please may come and see my tour show, Hench, if you want. And then I'm touring it still all through May. Go to my website, JessicaFosterQ.com, and that's where you'll find details of all of that. Right, let's get into this one without any more dithering from me. Um I was uh, privileged enough to go to Mira's house in North London and I um, she made us some um, vegan miso brownies. Um Yeah, let's take it away. Have you eaten anything particularly brilliant or awful in the last couple of weeks? Memorably so.
2: Um, had some amazing food last night. Did you? Yeah.
0: Did you um, make it?
2: No. How? Oh. <laughs> um, I went to Trullo in, um, Islington. It's an Ooh. Italian restaurant. And, um, and they make, like, hand-rolled peachy there. It's What's just, peachy? It's, um it's just a type of pasta that looks like a very rustic fat worm essentially it's like sort of like fat spaghetti oh and it's i've seen
0: it like chewy. a big rustic fat worm love yeah yeah that <laughs> yeah. well, sounds delicious doesn't yeah it? it's just, oh, 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 oh <laughs> yummy um and i can imagine it dried but not cooked i imagine <laughs> cooked it looks more wormy yeah. I know what you mean though, like, it's like very, twisty
2: It's a bit like, you know, the, the texture is like udon noodles, like very bouncy oh. and chewy and I just love that um, We had cavatelli last night with that double, like double, triple cooked broccoli, so it just like falls into mush, whipped with oh. some I mean, it's an amazing place, it's a radicchio that was grilled within an inch of its life, nice. and so all the bitterness sort of turns into caramel deliciousness <laughs> God, I've Um, never heard of that. It was really good. So I ate that. That was really good. Um, Excellent. And then I also went to um, a pop-up by Saran Goyler, who's a chef from Mumbai. Uh And he made these Mangalorean ghee roast prawns that were nestled on this like fermented coconut rice upum, which is like a pancake. Mm. And... You know how food has that amazing ability to just transport you just like that? So, Mangalorean food, although we've got, like, so many good Indian restaurants here now, you still, I mean, you still can't get Mangalorean food. And Mangalore is a state with, you know, probably hundreds of thousands of people there. And you can get the food very easily in Mumbai, and it just... Took me straight back to Mumbai in an instant. Oh, it was just so god! Delicious.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Oh, how exciting that it's two. It, it, it turned out to be two brilliant things that you've had recently, and no disappointing ones. No,
2: no, I did have a disappointing. Oh, did you? But you're too kind
0: to say. <laughs> um,
2: well, I will not um, mention any names. No. But, um, <laughs> <Of course. laughs> you know, because I eat a lot of vegetarian. food, I eat a lot yeah. of vegetables, and so if I go out. Then I'll order like the vegetable option, mm. and sometimes you you hit upon a chef who you know hates vegetarians. <laughs> <laughs> God, yeah, that
0: does happen. Yeah, it, yeah, I ordered
2: the bean burger, and it just smelled like bin juice and wet cabbage. And, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, really
0: sodgy. I um I went to uh, a pub near where I live in Southeast London. Again, I'm not going to say which one, but it, it seems to change hands quite often. I was doing some work in there, waiting for a train, and um, and then realised wherever I was going that evening had been it, the whole thing had been cancelled. So I got to stay there. I met my partner for dinner there, and they did the, like an okay looking menu, but the burgers were two for one, or the second one was a pound. And we were like, well, we've got to do that. There's a bean burger on there, and it said it came with avocado and salsa and all stuff. And I was like, great. And um, <laughs> it was so heartbreaking. But also, I think it just been deep fried for so long. Yeah. But it was it was. In, in the end, I, it was so over, like just dead, cremated, but also it really looked like a burger, like mm-hmm. a meat burger. So I'll just check. I'm going to do meat sometimes, but very rarely. And my partner doesn't ever. And I went to the bar woman and said, is this, can I just check? It's definitely not, not meat. And she went, no, it's um, Linda McCartney. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> she was like, and then came over and said, please don't tell the chefs that I just told you that. And I was like, yeah, I wasn't going to go and knock on the door. because so they i been grassed up for using Linda McCartney burgers. Aww. Yeah. But yeah. actually... Linda wasn't doing it for you. Linda though. wasn't doing it... For, well, do you know what? Linda probably cooked according to instructions and not deep fried right. to hide the fact that she's... <laughs> It's like something from a um, uh, Scottish fish and chip shop, isn't it? Have you ever had a cheeseburger f- in Scotland from a fish and chip shop, they batter it and fry it. They batter it, it and fry yeah. it. Um
2: I've heard this but I've never
0: tried it. Um I got just I get little I get just hints of nausea just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love like fish and chips from fish and chip shops. Yeah. But- it's just a whole oh, battered, yeah. battered bread
2: as well just no I know don't know think
0: the bread although filling. someone's tried that yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um I've read lots of your. you write very beautifully about your mum and her food um and I think also about the sort of highs and lows historically that you had income wise for various reasons and would you talk to me sort of generally oh about your experience of eating growing up
2: sure um well Yes, my parents, um, they were kicked out of Uganda in 1972 Mm. um, by the dictator Idi Amin. And um, they were relatively, my mum's family were relatively wealthy in Uganda. But when they came over here as a family of five, they had 50 pounds between them. And my grandfather was a very proud man. And so he didn't want to take any government handouts and so asked where he could find a job. And the first job that he could find was as a a lorry driver for Scunthorpe Steelworks. Wow! And so they um, they really didn't have very much money at all. Um, But... Also, um, you know, we're Hindi Gujaratis, uh-huh. um, notoriously vegetarian. Right. And so um, I don't feel, I don't think, like when I was growing up, certainly like a few years later when I came into the picture, it just wasn't very evident. So mum has loads of stories about how they had to hide from the milkmen. Um, they couldn't afford public transport. Um, she and my dad lived on one of the poorest estates in England. Uh, and <clears throat> in Scunthorpe, Um, but because Gujarati food is... uh Um, you know, largely vegetables. We were in Lincolnshire, and that's where all of this country's, most of this country's vegetables grow. I didn't even know that, still. Oh my gosh, still. Amazing. Just, you know, fields full of cabbages and kale and potatoes. There used to be potato railway lines, like little miniature railway lines, running potatoes across the fields and into the main line coming into King's Cross. Wow. It's famous for potatoes. Um,
0: Yeah, so... God, you don't think that. I have a friend from Scunthorpe, and, you know, he would just... Regularly brag that it's the industrial garden town of England because it says it on the it sign, is. doesn't it, as you're driving yeah. in? So you don't think of fields and well, fields of vegetables, but then that's just a southern snobby misconception, probably.
2: Yeah, I mean, Scunthorpe is very industrial. Yeah. I mean, the steelworks um, is obviously there, and now there are lots of, I don't know, pasta sauce making mm. factories and Lord knows what else they're making. um But all around Scunthorpe, there are, you know, there's a, it's just flat and sort of a bit marshy. Perfect conditions to grow vegetables, and so you know, I grew up eating a lot of um, like cabbage and potato yeah. curries, uh, which doesn't sound particularly nice. But like to you know, when they're when you use mustard seeds and yeah. cumin and coriander and tomatoes, and it just sort of becomes something else. You know, just very beautiful, mm. simply cooked, gorgeous food with wholemeal chapatis that were made from scratch. Oh. Um, would make yogurt day in day out. Oh, dolls. make
0: yogurt. He'd
2: make her own yogurt, and she'd. I've um, had this conversation quite a few times. How do you make yogurt? Do you do you, you put? Do you add something citrus to it? Uh, that's how you make paneer. Ah. We curdle milk. Wow, um, and then that creates sort of these solids essentially is yeah. paneer and whey. It was a byproduct. By, sorry, byproduct. Yes, still <laughs> <Yeah. So laughs> quite early. Um, <laughs> But yoghurt, so you heat it um, to a particular temperature. Yeah. I've forgotten what it is, but it's sort of like finger hot, basically. Right, right, right. So it shouldn't be too hot, otherwise yeah. you'll, kill, um, you, you'll kill the yoghurt, essentially. The bacteria. Trying, yeah. Um, and then you add some live, like a tablespoon of
0: live yoghurt into, into ah. that. Ah. Um, and then... Oh, I love it that you just knew. In my head, I think, because I know you have to churn things to make butter, yeah. to make all other dairy products... You just shake something in a jar, but it's not more complicated, <laughs> isn't it? Um, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Well, that sounds like delicious eating growing up. Yeah. Um, so I think we both went to LSE. We were talking before well, we did. I don't think I know now. I checked with you at mm-hmm. roughly the same time, um, and we've both ended up getting degrees that we've never used. Mm. Did you use yours even faintly?
2: Like literally never. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did you say industrial? Industrial relations. That's amazing. I mean, is that? Do you think there was a hint? If I'm from Scunthorpe.
2: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe I thought I'll become the next office girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's a weird old thing. It, yeah. I sort of s- decided to study because, um, um. Do you remember Young Enterprise? That. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was the managing director. Um, at school of a company called Photogenic and everyone in my company were just like big burly rugby boys who just and I found like the people side of it really fascinating this like relationship between like making things and people government industry and so I just felt really like in the zone yeah um and then yeah I don't know I mean I loved LSE I loved being at university I loved it actually it was so amazing
0: I didn't I um I I did law and I hated the first year I just found it really intense and I think I already knew I wasn't going to be a lawyer actually but also you weren't able to I wasn't able to pick any courses so I just found it really like it's just fact yeah it felt like fact consuming rather than anything more interesting but then it got interesting but I loved the atmosphere I like, I was in intercollegiate halls, which I really loved. Okay. Around people from all other London unis, I'm still f- friends with some of them. But also, I liked how um, it sort of felt like everybody. It was part of the culture to be very politically aware. Yeah. No matter what side you fell on, but everybody read a paper every day, and yeah. everybody cared. and yeah. there was Weekly UGM and yeah, that stuff was I really liked. I mean, it's led protesting. to yeah, a lot. I did a lot of protesting. Yeah. And um. Yeah, but, well, eating-wise at uni, I think I've read you saying that you got there and realised you hadn't taken as much of the, your sort of mum's incredible wisdom <laughs> as yeah. you would have assumed and had to go back had to go back and ask for some. Yeah. Um, well, I lived on super noodles at uni. Did you? Yeah. yeah. So did you? <laughs> well,
2: that's the thing, because I, I, mum uh, and dad had such a tough life I think, mm. when we were growing up. Mum in particular wanted a really different life for us, my sister yeah. and I. And so I'd be kicked out of the kitchen periodically after dinner um, to go and do my homework upstairs. And so even if I took an interest in, like, rolling some wonky chapatis, there'd be, like, (laughs) a time limit on it. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd just have to go and just study endlessly. Yeah. Um, And I think that hope was for me to become an engineer or a doctor or a dentist or something else very respectable as opposed to going into food.
0: Yeah, my parents are gutted. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Um, and also, like, Jesus, the hall's kitchen was like yeah. the size of a shoebox. I had to balance oh, a chopping board so on the bin grim. to be able to cook something on like the prehistoric um, induction cookers there. Were you
0: in the LSE halls? Yeah, I was. I was. They, I was um, I, oh, Rosebury. Yeah. For friends that were there. I was in an intercollegiate halls called Commonwealth, sort of oh, over yeah. towards King's Cross Center. Oh God, you would have one kitchen at the end of an entire corridor of people to share. Anything that involved more than boiling water and stirring, you were up against it really, weren't you? But mine were catered halls. Okay. So, and it it was bad, but you can't really go that wrong with breakfast. And I just had a jacket potato every night for a year. (laughs) And I'm not a creature of habit. No. It was the only year of my life I've ever eaten like that.
2: No, I I remember um, I was down to my last like couple of pounds of my student loan for a term. And um, yeah, I went down to the Hall's Canteen and the Jamaican chef was around and like knocking out one of his specials, which was like a sweet corn strawberry and black pepper salad. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I just remember. That's a lot. (laughs) That's okay so, it, it, yeah no i cried it was bad <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean i went hungry i didn't, I didn't eat oh there. no and, that, and but the thing is at university is when i had this like seminal moment because i went out with a group of friends um and we went to brick lane for a curry yeah and they all turned to me the only indian at the table and said what should we order from the menu and i was so shocked that they thought that that I'd grown up eating, you know, these baby puree kormas and yeah. like and Rogan Josh's and things like that. Like I consider that to be like bog standard boilerplate Indian food that you get across the country. Yeah. And so I really wanted to show them what the food that I'd grown up eating was like. Yeah. But I didn't know how to cook. And that's when I started, like, I rang mum and she said, well, if you want to learn how to cook, then you have to come and watch me. And that's how I learned how to cook. And your grandma learned how to cook. And I panicked just thinking god if I don't record these recipes mm. then like hundreds of years worth of yeah these recipes have been passed down from woman to woman and, um, and, and, and without them.
0: writing things down because you you're passing it down generationally but actually yeah. once you don't live at home you know once you're not living in close proximity to your parents all of the time that keeping that traditionalized can get increasingly impossible really isn't it once we're like well well we don't live with our parents into adulthood essentially near to them yeah um Oh, so I'm glad you started make making a note of things. Yeah,
2: well, that's um, for all of our sakes. It, <laughs> it was really, it was really amazing actually, because I thought that I was just going home to learn how to cook. Yeah, and then um, you know, you just don't really question very much when you're growing up. Mm. You know, I didn't question that. You know, why my mum put doilies out in the house, whether that was like a normal thing. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just all the weird stuff that your parents do and um and i hadn't really sort of talked to them about their childhoods growing up in uganda yeah. or what life was like in india and i realized that um like behind every recipe there is a story yeah. and so it wasn't just sort of learning how to cook it just sort of it just opened the door to you know, colouring in this picture of this life that I had never been part of. And I still haven't been part of because I've never been to Uganda. Yeah. Um, And so the only way that I can really access that and could access it was just via all these stories that mum would tell me whilst we were cooking together. It's amazing.
0: It's so lovely. It was
2: very lovely. It's
0: such a... um, Well, it just feels like such a... One of the juiciest um, ways of really feeling how much more than fuel food is, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Or eating is, to be more specific, that sort of sharing, um, Oh, I don't know, of of an entire, not just family, yeah, family history and stories, I suppose, and the attachment that we have between stories and eating, and memory, uh, I think it's amazing. Mm. Um, I don't know, I feel like, uh, so this podcast is just about eating and it doesn't have any uh uh it's very open-minded in terms of the environment and what people should, and you know there's no judgment I don't care what people eat. There's I don't you know I'm super open minded about the ethics of eating, but I really um as I've done it for a couple of years now and I've become increasingly um sure that the diet industry generally is a pretty toxic thing and I feel like there's a movement in that world towards food and eating as being of functional and fuel and something you can control and contain and mm. um, and a disconnection. I think all of that world disconnects people from their hunger and their f- fullness in a way that's sad and unhelpful, to put it in the broadest terms. And I think that the way you speak and write and cook about eating... <laughs> you cook about eating. I'm so articulate. <laughs> um, I don't know, it just feels like it sort of reignites that fire of realisation that there's so much more to eating. It's, we love with it, and we and we, but we but we build the maps of our own historical timelines yeah. with it, yeah. Um, and that in itself should be reason enough to to, to not be like, oh, I don't know. See, as something so basic as fuel.
2: Yeah, yeah. We are. You're right. We are so disconnected. Um, I mean, you could eat your way across the world in yeah. in London, just in different restaurants. A Korean restaurant one night, Filipino the next, Italian wherever you want to go. And it's. Um, I think that's the job. I feel like I have as a food writer is yeah. to reconnect people with um the story behind the original dishes that I'm writing the recipe for. Yeah. it's um food originates somewhere, you know that it, it, whether it's um, created because, whether you're cooking that a particular dish because it's been passed down the generations, or whether it's something that you've created because it's what grows around you, mm-hmm. um, or something that you've eaten somewhere else, like there, there, there is a chain of events that leads to every dish.
0: Yeah,
2: um, it's very rare that it's just spontaneously come out of nowhere and it's, you know, completely new. Um, Probably
0: sweet corn. Black pepper and strawberries spontaneously came out of Maybe nowhere. Maybe that's, highly... that's where it all goes wrong.
2: Maybe that's a traditional dish. Yeah. That I've never heard about.
0: It feels like the sort of thing a child would put together, doesn't it? Like a small child would be like, I like it. I'm insisting that I like it. <laughs> mm, I'm in my tongue. There's been brownies in front of us for the entire conversation, please. May mm. I have one? Yes, of course. Um What what are they it's, Oh is it stuck oh, to the plate? So, it's, yes. so, it's, oh, so gooey. it's so gooey. <laughs> Thank you so much for making these.
2: You're welcome. Uh miso brownies. And, oh my god.
0: Um yeah, one of the I um
2: oh the last well the column that I've had in The Guardian for the last two and a half years mm. um is uh is a vegan column. Mm-hmm and um, when i first was asked to write it i didn't think i'd last very long at all really yeah of course cause I, I mean i wasn't um, oh, it's so good at the time the tops um, all crunchy it's
0: so good
2: <laughs> Congrats, also it. the
0: miso's is really prominent in it and it's amazing
2: okay in a good in yeah, a yeah in
0: a really it's good a, way that's interesting, might, in a bold way
2: yeah cuz i feel like it's a background to me what happens with the miso is that it it tastes a bit... It does what salted caramel does. Mm. It sort of gives you that umami. Yeah. But it doesn't really feel... Yeah, I don't really...
0: I think just really, I really love me so. Do you? I and mean, as soon as you told me about it, I was like, where is it? Oh, 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 <laughs> there it is. There she is. <laughs> I found oh, it. I love it. It does. Same thing. It's, mm, it's so good. Anyway, <laughs> I trampled over what you were saying about your column. Has um, this, this been in there? Yeah, it has. Yeah. Oh. And...
2: Uh, well, so that's, um, so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't vegan. That was part of the problem when I was asked to write the column. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, I'd never really written about anything other than Indian food. Mm. Um, but, you know, I really wanted to to take it on because, you know, hundreds of thousands of people were looking to make the shift to eat less meat and more vegetables. And and like a lot of the recipes that were being written at the time were just not making me hungry. Right. Um, and so I suspected that if I looked East, you know, beyond Mm -hmm. India, um, from Beijing to Bangkok to, you know, Singapore, that I would find more communities um, and cooks that put vegetables in the center of the table with like creativity and ease. Yeah. And, and what, and, and that's what really kept me going. And it's sort of like the main thread running through the column and, and, and so I made these discoveries about, um, I mean, not that Miso was my discovery by any
0: means. Yeah. But that would be a revelation, wouldn't it? A massive reveal for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually invented salt. So, yeah.
2: But listen, I personally, you know, discovered yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> We're just leaning in. We're just a couple of professional women really leaning in. <laughs>
2: <gasps> um, and all of these incredible, like, store cupboard things that mm. can add so much flavour to your food in an instant. And I was a new mum as well, so mm-hmm. it just felt like I discovered gold, you know, right. whether it was miso yeah, yeah. or gochujang or um, That's the Korean red
0: barbecue paste oh, yes. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, so good. Yeah. It's
2: extraordinary,
0: <laughs> it is, isn't it? It is not it extraordinary. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, that's been um, so many people... It, it, I I probably say in the last year the thing that the like most people have gone have you tried? <laughs> yeah, really. Yes. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> it's like um, I think it will become the next sriracha. I don't mm. ever know how to say that, yeah. but the thing that everybody's got a little tub of in their fridge yes. and then squir- squirts all over their scrambled eggs and yeah, their oh everything my gosh, it's all, good all on the eggs, time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
2: But, but that is the joy of these ingredients is that they do just sit in the cupboard or the fridge.
0: Heaven. Yeah. And yeah. so if
2: you are looking to eat more vegetables, you can just whip, you know, whip out your vegetable from the vegetable drawer and whatever yeah. miso gochujang thing that you have, and something else from the store cupboard like noodles or Yeah, some dried noodles. I rice. made a
0: noodle thing last night with actually talking about eating super noodles all through um <laughs> uh student halls at least. I literally have them for lunch every day. Mm. I don't I think oh I don't know. I, I, I had a different I do gonna Stick to the one thing at a time, Jess. While you're talking, note to self. Um, I cooked last night with a a recipe that just meant I those packets, but not super noodles like Sainsbury's own vegetable noodle things, but the dry blocks of ramen oh, yeah. noodles. Yeah, yeah, That's so great. good. Just in stock, and then and then just yeah, made something with a bit of chili oil and Ooh. rice Ooh. wine vinegar and sesame oil and yeah hey, that sounds yeah. great and then you mix it all up with them and and then yeah. some basil Whoa. and an egg on the roof
2: oh my gosh that was all right what a what a meal that sounds but epic. also that's
0: kind of like that i hadn't thought of it in terms of i don't think i've cooked with those packets of yeah. completely dry like 20p for a so block cheap. noodles i mean since i was a student and was yeah. like well actually if you've got those sauce sauce things in your yeah. cupboard then you can level up that whole meal was probably less than a quid a plate, yeah, actually. Totally. Pimp, pimp your ramen. Yeah, pimp your ramen, exactly.
2: So we do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, you can buy really good ramen noodles with the, and even the sachets are delicious. Yeah. And then we fry some broccoli and tofu and a little and bit lush. of sesame oil and I don't know.
0: Yeah, a bit of tofu in there if you are full full weeks. Yeah. You can't have the egg on the roof. Yeah. I, I, For me, there's like an almost blank hinterland between the super noodles, noodles and kind of occasional frying of an egg of my student days. Yeah. And then this point in my late 20s where I'd lived in shared houses for so long or lodged with family and not had my own kitchen for so long that I was like, I felt, I started to feel mad with the lack of independence. I wanted mm. a kitchen to cook recipes in, but I don't know, I think it's a very gradual process there. Yeah. Did you, I... I, and I don't have anything sort of anybody... Any sort of interesting cultural heritage whatsoever, other than an Austrian grandmother who did cook amazing food, but never wrote anything down. Mm. And I was only I think sixteen or seventeen when she died, so I didn't get any of it. But I've got some of her very old books. Ooh! So, but I'm yet to dig into them. I feel a bit scared, actually. Oh no! Of fucking it up. up. Oh, but I. But then, I suppose, what's the jeopardy? I don't really understand who's. It's only me that's going to be upset with myself, isn't it? I need to go on with it.
2: I remember being terrified when I first started cooking. Yeah. Um, It was, you're right, like it's unfounded because the worst that can happen is that you end up with something inedible. Maybe
0: there's this emotional pressure on it because of this connection to your history. So it's like, well, if I make the thing wrong that goes in that clear soup or whatever, or. yeah, but then there's only so wrong you can go with a schnitzel, and that's the main thing. No,
2: but I think with when you go wrong, that's where you learn. Like you, yeah, because you taste it and you think this isn't right, and then it prompts you to think about what's not right. Yeah, and I love that because I I started working in this ki- the dock kitchen in West London. Mm. And sadly, it's no longer, but. I can't remember what I messed up but I remember the chef Rich Black telling me it's fine to mess up because Mm. you'll learn you'll always learn something from it for next time and I think that's great
0: I've literally I don't know why I just thought I remember when I learned not to cook with really bad PMT (laughs) I did a recipe I've done loads of times once and it was just like it just yeah it was a disaster (laughs) Yeah. Nothing had gone wrong, other than my mood throughout the entire creation. Yeah, I
2: lived, I lived with a flatmate who loved cooking and had no patience for it. And that's also the worst combination. <laughs> yeah, as well. just so much enthusiasm, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: everything
2: yeah. must be done in five minutes, which means you end up with like raw onions. Oh <laughs> like, no, just, no, you know, thank you. Tin tomatoes or the tin tomato taste still.
0: <laughs> oh God, I hope raw onions don't get fashionable. It's one of my least favorite things. <laughs> um, so presumably you're testing recipes all the time or quite often because you're so prolific with your column and your books but have, have you had any sort of, because we're talking about learning from failure, have you had any notable triumphs or disasters that led to, I don't know are there any stories as part of the process of testing things, yeah. it's a world that fascinates me, I think because actually line exactly line what you just say, the incredible patience from my point of view that it must take, mm. whereas when you're a stand-up or a Writer, you know, <clears throat> the older I've got, the better I've got at kind of the editing things, but a lot of it's kind of, you know, it's out loud. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe it's the same thing, but like that, they're, they're going back and doing something again and again, mm. to take a level of perfectionism mm. or attention to detail. Mm. My cousin's a film editor yeah. and I think, I don't know how you do it. I think he's got a beautiful yes. mind, but that's sitting there and going, no, slightly different, slightly different, uh, yeah. slightly different. And then in a world where a director can potentially come and say, but yeah. I don't like it.
2: Yeah. I, I, when I'm writing recipes, I feel like I've got to start with like a searingly clear vision of what it oh, is. really? That I'm for, yeah. And then it's really up to my my hands and taste buds and the ingredients that I've got to be able to try and get to that point. Yeah. Um, and like a, a lot of the time, my hit rate's pretty good, but because it's it's vegan food, that I'm yeah. mostly writing recipes for at the moment, and I'm really trying to like push the envelope often I'll have a total failure. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I feel like I can get there with like two or three goes mm-hmm. and I'll keep on going. Yeah. Because it's really important to me that it, if something needs adjusting that I cook it again and I cook it until it's perfect. Right, yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work. Like my dosa recipe... I was on the fourth round, yeah. and I just ran out screaming, chucking it into the garden <laughs> because it still hadn't worked. And it's, yeah. it's one of those recipes where you've got to ferment the batter. Oh and so, god! You know, it's really time-consuming. Yeah. and You grind the rice, and so it's really involved. And so I'd really given my life over to it. And. And luckily Lola the dog sort of ran out into the garden, ate it. <laughs> and
0: that sort of kept it me came going back in and went five stars from me. Yeah. yeah. So um yeah. grind your own rice and ferment. Wow.
2: Yeah, it's um it's something that happens in India on a daily basis just <clears throat> yeah. because so many women are housewives and it's right, such a traditional, yeah. Doses are so traditional. Oh, I, oh, I don't know I love doses too.
0: I had an amazing one in Leicester. Mm. Um I was there for the comedy festival and um there's a place called Kyle Herb or Herb Kyle, really near the station. I had it recommended to me and it was off the charts.
2: Really? Yeah crispy
0: yeah crispy soft. i got one with spinach and paneer yeah, yeah and so and so
2: delicious i love them but no i've had lots of failures though and I, I don't um, think
0: i think i'm going to enjoy them even more in the future knowing the graft that's gone mm, into
2: them yeah it's one of these things once you get into it's a bit like sourdough once you mm. know how to make it once you get into the rhythm of it yeah. it makes a lot more sense but
0: somebody gave me some sourdough starter a lovely listener to this podcast, but. Mm. Again, I just sort of shat myself and ended up giving it to someone who was going to use it. Oh, well, I, just, I kept it alive. It. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I had some, I had a sourdough starter that had been given to me, and it was, um, you know, because they have these incredible lineages sometimes. Yeah, they do. Yes.
0: Such history. It was actually around with the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Well, it like
2: been alive since. It was given to me by Andrew Whitley, who's like, um, you know, leading the real bread movement. Yes. You know? right. Yeah. And at yeah. the age of. I think I met him when he was in his
0: mid-60s. This trying was, to combat the carb crisis. I mean,
2: you should have seen his, um, what's this muscle? Bicep. Biceps. His biceps from kneading. From kneading? <laughs> so this is he all shredded and ripped. So amazing.
0: <gasps> he needs the gym.
2: Um, I love it. But I killed his sourdough. I since the 1950s. I can't say that. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it had come from, I don't know, it was like Russia or something. That's some, the equivalent of, of knocking so. over the Ming bars, <laughs> isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah,
0: you've killed his sourdough. <laughs> Oh I that's dear. really funny it was,
2: it was very sad it was a bit <laughs> little crusty at the back of the fridge and <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean I use your recipes so much I have already on this podcast over the last few years, but are you a recipe follower? Jen. Do you ever I'm, follow recipes? Um, like, You've got some badass cookbooks. Oh I've got
2: loads of cookbooks. Yeah. Um I love I love collecting cookbooks and reading
0: them. <laughs> but not using or do you um, read them and that remember enough to have a go at your own version of no,
2: thing? No, um not really. Like there's a, I will occasionally cook from a cookbook. Um like, you know, Diana Henry's um Oh yeah. From the oven to the table book. Yeah. You know, as a tired parent, it's the perfect book. Yeah. You just chuck stuff into an oven tray, bung it in the oven, yeah. and dinner just magic magically makes itself.
0: Oh I know? love a tray bake. Oh, so
2: good. So good. Um but it's very rare that I'll follow a recipe and I don't know I don't know why it is. I'm just not very good at following them. I think because I just want to take it somewhere else immediately. So yeah. I do I use there's loads of books that I love for the words. Yes. Um, and, you know, so um, Fergus Henderson and Nicky Segnet, I mean, they're amazing writers. and Amada Jaffrey, both for her recipes, but also her writing. And I don't think she gets enough credit for her writing. Yeah, I remember reading one of the first cookbooks that I bought was An Invitation to Indian Cooking, which is her first cookbook. Okay. Um, where she talks about this sacred pickle. Mm. And her grandmother had appointed... Just one man could stir this pickle because these pickles can go off quite easily. And he had this like really nulled hand. And every now and then he would stir the sacred pickle and how the sacred pickle had to come with them to Shimla, which is in the mountains on this um, long journey where there were lots of hairpin bends where this pickle was tossing and turning and the tension was rising. Amazing. But, and I, you know, remembered that because her writing is so good and, um, And I, yeah, I really, so I I do, I love bits of the writing, but also, you know, I'll take, I'll take an idea, um, like a starting point and then sort of use it as a start of my own adventure. Yeah. Um, And, you know, again, especially when I was writing East in the column, um, I've, I've, you know, would rely on writers like Fuchsia Dunlop to introduce me to, Mm. um, you know, Sichuan, like areas that I've never traveled to. Yeah. Because I just wanted, because she's very good at sort of showing you, what that part of the world looks like yeah. through her eyes and through her writing, and it wasn't wasn't something that I was able to do at the time because my daughter oh, was a baby. Oh
0: yeah. Um, oh god, it's so amazing, isn't it? And then it conjures this world, and then you, and then you, and then you get an idea of what it tastes like too. And then we're so lucky we live in London to have access to so yeah. many of these things. Like it's extraordinary. I live in South East London, and there's. Independent supermarkets that have got everything. Yeah. Everything I've ever found and ever seen in any recipe. Yeah. And if not, yeah, then there's occasionally and then you'll need, mm. yeah, I, I live in Catford near Lewisham. Okay. And there's um, there's Chinese supermarkets, but then there's these huge Eastern European ones that seem to have everything. God, it's it's so lucky. And also there's things in there like, I don't know. Things like orange blossom water, stuff like that, yeah. where it's maybe a quid.
2: Yeah, And yes. like, you're
0: looking probably at several, several quids in Waitrose or some, you know, niche. <laughs>
2: you're so right. Yeah. So we have, um, um, I may have got the name of the supermarket wrong, but in Leighton, which is not too far away from here, yeah. there is an enormous Chinese supermarket called Huhing. Um,
0: yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Is that the one where lots of restaurants, like mass order from that's yeah.
2: right yeah so you can buy um i do not know five kilo sacks of everything that you could possibly want yeah. um but it's a great starting point for a discovery as well just sort of oh, looking totally. at something just buy i buy stuff just for the packaging because it's so beautiful yeah. all the ingredients and then look up a recipe and just understand how it's being used and yeah, yeah it's um i love i do love that about living in london is that um you know, just down the road from here, there's uh, a restaurant called Atlas, um, and that's uh, food from the Uyghur province of oh, wow. China. And the population's persecuted, or the Muslim po- population, I think, was mm. pros- persecuted, and also very small. Um, and so, the fact that there is a restaurant dedicated to the food just down the road yeah. you know, from here is incredible. Wow! So I could be transported to. I mean, I feel like I can be transported to anywhere yeah. across like South or Southeast Asia to. To Thailand by a somsa and Soho. Or... I
0: feel like this. I, I almost feel at the moment with eating my way around the world of just in London. Um, it, it's, it feels akin to sort of all the books I know I've got to read. Mm. You know that in a lovely way. Yeah. Like I'm never. There's no reason for anyone's mouth or brain or eyes to ever be bored. No. Yeah. There's there's an Ethiopian place. I've never had Ethiopian food. There's a place in Campbell that's supposed to be amazing. I want to go to... You know, it's just like, oh, yeah, and then I want to try that, and I want to try that. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's exciting, all the discovering there is to do. Um, You've got a baby in the oven. I do. Um, So has that changed how you eat in any way? Or did your uh, first pregnancy change? I mean, the hack question is any mad cravings. I I have a, a kind of... 95% 95% vegetarian life but with, with my the one pregnancy I have had I like wanted meat
2: really yeah no
0: it wasn't a craving it was like a, just it was like no no you're carnivorous yeah. with, for six of these nine months anyway
2: did you go through that phase in the first um, three in the first trimester the first mm. three months where you just wanted everything to be beige I didn't
0: but I did uh, I <sighs> I don't know, a bit maybe, a bit, not as pronounced as yeah. lots of my friends. Oh, really? I said the vast majority of my friends were like, it's chips and pasta,
2: Oh, basically, yeah. yeah. Just, <laughs> I mean, biscuits, <laughs> yeah. cheese, just anything that was any shade of yeah. beige is what I wanted in the first three months. I
0: definitely had that thing. I didn't have particularly bad morning sickness. I got really lucky. I don't know if oh, you really? got away with that. But I did have that thing where I felt slightly queasy, right. unless I was eating all the time.
2: Mm. Well, the, <laughs> the one crazy thing that happened this time around was that... Um, I could smell, because my sense of smell was so so acute and and, and that I could smell, if I could smell garlic from across the room, I'd have to leave the room and (gasps) garlic is something that I eat masses of. Oh no, this is terrible news for work. (laughs) So it was really hard, actually, yeah. to write recipes during that time. Of course. Um, and and like, then it sort of eases off, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: Or do you, do you think you've still got superhero
2: sense no, of smell? Uh, oh, no, my sense of smell is still brilliant. Incredible, I mean, yeah. That but it's makes, just the
0: things aren't making you want to be feel ill anymore. Yeah. It's sniff.
2: It's such an amazing superpower, though, because if I do go out to restaurants, I feel like I can smell everything that's going on. I feel on.
0: like I totally missed a trick, and it's almost worth having another baby just to use <laughs> the superpower for good. I don't mm. think I was... Um, I didn't think. God, yeah, go to incredible restaurants and have a, like some super spidey yeah. sniff of all of this incredible food.
2: I mean, or even like traveling across London, like yeah. different roads smell of different things and different. Yeah. Comed- I mean, it's. Oh, I remember well,
0: going to Peckham and not really being able to cope. Yeah. Not... <laughs> there was a sort of deep. F- I think it's something about deep fried. That kind of deep fried oil, but like, ooh, and it was just the fried the fried chicken shops. Chicken shops, yeah. But it was mingled in with. Um nail salons and that sort of um, chemical yes. smells yeah. that comes out of those yeah. and those two smells but I was so early pregnant I wasn't telling anyone mm. and so I just had to oh god it was awful mm. it was awful because I couldn't sort of explain why I felt so unwell because it, it, they're not you know, that overpowering smells normally. But I do remember going to Hove and being like, oh Hove, it's just freshly cut grass, the sea, and freshly baked bread. <laughs> oh,
2: that's, that's lovely. Yeah, that
0: was the both that yeah. was the sexiest smelling place need I've to go ever to been. Hove. Go to Hove quickly. <laughs> Got a few months to get to Hove, Mira. <laughs> Sniff it up. This is so fun. Thank you for this. <laughs> oh, what shall I ask? Have you ever had a patch where you ate the same thing every day, like I did in um, Horns?
2: Yeah, well, I went through a particularly bad breakup around a decade ago. Right. And um, I felt like I'd lost a lot of enthusiasm for food. Yeah. I could just about cook for myself um, if it meant sort of bunging stuff in the oven. And I discovered roasted cauliflower around the same time. Oh, nice. All I was doing was just (laughs) roasted. I mean, I would take down, like multiple heads of cauliflower <laughs> and just watch Desperate Housewives on
0: oh. it. <laughs> But does that mean, because roasted cauliflower, I think, is one of my favourite things in the universe, but yeah. does that mean you'll always associate it with a broken heart? Uh,
2: Managed to push actually, through, that. Yeah, good, well done.
0: Excellent. <laughs> um,
2: no, I still, yeah, I've reclaimed it. Um, I
0: drank too much sangria on a holiday as a teenager in, like, a timeshare with my um, dad and then stepmum. Um, and was really sick, but with Ooh, wow. lots of olives. And um, I've pushed through that so that I can eat olives again now, and I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> well done. Yeah, it's a less classy story, but <laughs> I thought I'd add it in. Um,
2: the mapo tofu is something that I love eating on a regular basis. And what I mm. will find is that um, I'll have like one or the other ingredient in the fridge. Yeah. And so my um, I've got a mushroom mapo tofu recipe, and. There's shiitake mushrooms, leeks, tofu, and I'll have something in the fridge. And the chili bean paste in the, is, you know, permanently lives in the fridge as
0: well. Yeah, that stuff's amazing. And
2: so all I need to do is just go out and pick up one ingredient. And so it just sort of ends up on loop where I'm like just buying one of the three ingredients that I need to be able to make it again. Yes. And oh, so, I
0: know what you mean. Yeah. Also, do you know what I've sort of realised recently? I think I've got a sort of food shopping addiction. Like, I can't, there's rarely a day where I don't walk past and go, I'll just pop in there and and just get a, a couple of bits.
2: Yeah, oh, just so you sound every day. like you've got nice shops around
0: you then. Well, yeah, I mean maybe, yeah. Also, I just really love supermarkets and mm, food shops. I've got jack shit interest yeah. in shopping for clothes or mm. anything else. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not like mm, women love shopping. I just like shopping for food.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no. Same. If I go to, I don't know, a nice international
0: city, then I'd be like, yeah. take me
2: to the supermarket. Have you ever been to Vienna? Mm, I have a very long That's time ago. the go, most extraordinary food,
0: shop, just food markets.
2: Oh, really? Yeah, yeah.
0: just hours and hours and Ooh. days of cakes and breads and Yum. yeah. Mm. I don't know. It instantly made me think of that.
2: I find with buffets. I don't know if you're the same, but. Unless I've got a strategy, I end up with lots of crazy stuff on my plate (laughs) that doesn't necessarily go together.
0: But my only strategy really is front of the queue. (laughs) But yeah.
2: Like, you know, if you go to, I mean, occasionally I've been, I've had the luxury of going to some really fancy hotels and they always have buffet breakfast because it's like, look at this luxury. You could have anything that you want in the world. I'm like, yes, but, but you don't understand. I kind of want sushi and, I don't know. Yeah scrambled eggs at the same time and you're like I was um
0: foolish enough uh f- four years ago when my son was tiny I knew I wasn't going to do the Edinburgh Festival that year I thought I'll keep it on the down low and um say yes I was offered a gig on a cruise ship oh. it was I mean it's probably my top 10 worst gigs in my life but it, it went so badly but then I was trapped at sea for three nights and three days with eight uh four thousand elderly people who... (laughs) I got death threats and stuff because they really had hated my comedy and I got an entire show out of it called The Silence of the Nans. But... The eating on there was fascinating. And that's... I really know what you, you're you saying in terms of my experience on there. Because I think initially I was like, oh my God. It was the only thing mm. I loved about it. I hated everything. As soon as I got on there, I immediately felt trapped. I hated everything else about the cruise. I hated the environmental impact. And actually by the end of it... But, but I did at least walk into the food hall and be like, this is like something out of a dream. Mm. But then... Within a few days, well, actually, straight away, you're like, "Well, this is stressful. I want to try, I want to try all of these things." Mm. But there's not enough. There's literally not enough room in the inn. I mean, I can eat. I, can, I don't want to. I don't want to purposefully eat beyond fullness just to try all the. Not every day. No, hang on. Not every day for this long. Hang on. And then, actually, within a few days, I'd well, if you very quickly notice uh, the the staff who are in there, how lovely they are, but how they're being treated. Uh, how long they're on the boat for compared to the people who are working there but also, you know, the people who are travelling on there and then I started to notice that people were just like, loading up their plates but not to eat everything, just to kind of go tried it, don't like it, and you're like oh, and actually, you know I was on there for four days and by the end I was like it's like a fucking dystopia. (laughs) <laughs> but, and how quickly and interesting that is yeah. like, oh, all this choice I want to try this stuff into like what a hellhole yeah. we shouldn't be allowed all that shouldn't be allowed all that choice no and not these people shouldn't especially yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I there, just said so... it <laughs> <laughs> um, I can be brutal I've been there and I absolutely don't care about getting booked for another one ever again. <laughs> I'd, I'd handy pee say no um,
2: I d- I There is lots of ritualistic eating, though, going back to ritualistic eating in um, Gujarati or Hindu traditions. Uh So, you know, for every single occasion that you could possibly think of, there'll be a thing that you're meant to eat.
0: Oh, really? Can you tell me some?
2: Um, Yeah, so when I... Gave birth and I started breastfeeding. Yeah, these sweets appeared that had fenugreek seeds in them. Ooh, I don't remember what they were I, called.
0: Fenugreek. I find um, I really can like the next day. I'm very aware that I had fenugreek. Like it mm. really is is in my pores and everything. So maybe it makes your milk really delicious. Um, to be that frank,
2: <laughs> maybe. maybe it's meant to increase your milk supply.
0: Oh, I see. Oh, yes. I think I was drinking fenugreek tea. Okay.
2: Yeah, that sounds that sounds yeah. about right. Um, and <laughs> and it had. I'm trying to remember all the English... Anyway, it had to, these very, this very particular blend of things in it. Right. Um, just specifically for breastfeeding. But you have the right. same if you're ill. You drink Haldi dud, which is right. turmeric milk.
0: Oh, um, yes, okay. I mean, that's even in Pret now, isn't it? That's got very yeah. fatty. Yeah.
2: And then when you're... Um, I don't know, when you go to the temple, you're given like this uh, like heavenly semolina that's been like slow cooked in sugar and ghee and milk and that's that's often blessed by the priest and then you you eat that lovely um you meant to i mean there's so there's you when you first move into a house and you're cooking in the kitchen um you're meant to cook the mung beans are part of a blessing and then you you cook those uh the i mean the everything this is there's so much love it ritualistic cooking that goes on Um, but in particular, like in our, in our household, in my, in my family, the things that we cook, um, so he, 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 my husband, his birthday is coming up next week.
0: Yes.
2: And about three years ago, I made him this moussaka and it was very strange and long winded and it involves things like bagels and cashews. So Wow. Going a bit wild. Yeah. It? Anyway, he decided it was the best thing that he'd ever eaten. So now for every birthday, and luckily I wrote down the recipe, I have oh. to go through this incredibly long process. Oh, that was sorry. Then <laughs> yeah. now has become a bit of a tradition. Yeah, now, bagel moussaka. Yeah. Yes, please.
0: Really good, actually. Makes yeah. a great, great vegetable. Have you ever published that? It's a secret. Never, no. Yeah, no.
2: no a, we've got a special orange
0: book just by the microwave. Oh, that's uh,
2: nice. With our secret recipes in that will never be published. That's <laughs> so nice. Yeah, we'll possibly give it to our... The, the idea what? is that you, you can give it to your children.
0: Yeah. Oh, what a
2: lovely thing. little all, all madness.
0: <laughs> God, I haven't even thought about doing something like that with my kid. I'm so... Um, I've just started to get a really good bit of focus and help if it's something he wants yeah. to eat or if he's entrusted with something really sharp or hot oh, well.
2: and it's quite
0: <laughs> stressful but you'll yeah. be like okay
2: yes But I, I, I think it's
0: a way to get you involved Yeah, and just sort of trying to say to him it's cool Like cook yeah. it's really fun
2: and cool I think and so I think kids love it because yeah. they see one thing sort of being transformed into another like Absolutely, pancakes yeah. and things with shapes and like biscuit dough that feels like cookie, you know play dough to them and, and
0: um, that is it is it ready yet is it ready yet is it ready yet yeah <laughs> Scrum-diddly-umptious oh no! and then you can be in my podcast I I love cooking if I've got time mm. and if I'm rushing it's yeah I do it but it's oof, it's mm. an arse because I'm, I'm on tour at the moment I've and I've got these tiny little blocks of time at home I've quite kind of autistically planned. What I'm cooking when, and Thanks. he'll be there, and whether you know, will my girlfriend be there? Will my son be in? Will I have my son that night? Will he be, you know? And go, like, okay, well, and then last night, I'd just had a really long day yesterday of um, in a writer's room and in an audition, and I got home, and it, I wasn't making something particularly long or complicated. I mean, it's dried noodles with other bits and bobs. Yeah. But I was like, oh, oh, do you know? What? I think I can't be asked. Yeah. And I um and I sent a message. I think I'm gonna have to just deliver a roof. Maybe let's get Turkish or something like. that. Yeah. But and then um, about half an hour later, once I sort of settled myself into having absolved myself of the responsibility, I desperately wanted to cook and did. I think it's just I had to tell myself I didn't have you to. Midnight like feast. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. It was, only, it was oh. still the early yeah. evening. Well, but yeah. it was just like, oh, no, I don't. Yeah. I yeah. oh, don't. You don't have to do this. I think no. this, not just making time, but also mm. not getting to that for me that mindset where you're like no you've got to do it if yeah. it's if you're being even as an adult if it's something i have, I have to, to do, do. then so, right. that's i mean to that's do. why a
2: lot of our um our mothers from that generation really hated cooking or and even their mothers before them because you know they were housewives they were meant yeah. to cook every single night for the family and somehow my mum really took to it and absolutely loved it yeah um but i know so many mums that didn't and would yeah. be you know Steaming things out of packets and cans. Yeah,
0: yeah. And Do you ever just get a delivery? Yeah, I mean, okay. there's, not,
2: there's not that many great places around here to no. get a delivery from. Otherwise, I'd probably use it on a regular basis. That's a bit, fair enough. Bit rude, but um, <laughs> <laughs> a bit rude. But um, the thing yeah. that I love is um when we can't be bothered. Um, Hugh and I, we. Um, we we in the freezer. We've got these little um, pot sticker dumplings that we buy Ooh. from the Chinese supermarket. That I was telling you about. Oh, I know
0: you mean. Oh, lush. Mm. We just quickly boil them or steam them. Yeah. You oh my God, them, they're or steam so them good. Or pan fry them. They are so good. Um, the the another equivalent one of those that my partner introduced me to, and I'm going to get the name wrong, but there's a type of Polish dumpling oh, begins yes. with a P. Oh, oh, it's going. Um, oh, they kind. Of, I think they might be made with potato and milk. Yes. And but I mean, anyway, you can unique. get you can get them in Asta. Can you? Yeah, and I you know, just pan fry time. them for a couple yeah. of minutes, and they're like they're a bit like they're kind of Eastern European flavored gyoza. Is the only way I can yeah. describe it, but similar feel. And you just well. see
2: them like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I do. Well, they've I got, do got do. lovely like mm. sometimes they've got sauerkraut, and mushroom inside, ah, or cream cheese and something else. Mm. Yeah, chive. I mean, mm. they are
2: perfect, yeah. aren't they? I mean, that's great. I do love living out of the freezer occasionally if I've sort of batch cooked something. and then...
0: Pierogi, they're called pir- pierogi. Pierogi, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. batch um, cooking's a dream. Have you got a yeah. very full freezer ready for the next baby?
2: Uh, no. I actually quite like, because babies, when they when they first pop out, yeah. uh, you know, they're asleep for about four yeah. hours at a time, so I don't mind doing the odd bit of cooking. It's later on when...
0: They can move. Yeah. As soon as they can move. <laughs> yeah. It's fine till they can move. Yeah. Mmm. Delicious. A moon alien does a prank and turns all the water on Earth into coconut water, which we can all agree smells of armpits. (laughs) So at first it's just annoying and disgusting, but we quickly realise the repercussions for the sea and rivers and sky and everything. It's catastrophic. Luckily, the moon alien has agreed to reverse it all completely back to normal, but only if you, and weirdly, it does have to be you, who do a lap of... um, all of Regent's Park at whatever pace you like, but carrying a fridge and two microwaves. It sounds impossible, but you do it. And you're, you're a, a hero. hero. Wow. Um, your reward is the adulation of all people for, for all time. You've gone down in history as the people that saved us from um, coconut Spready water armpit. Armageddon. Yeah, <laughs> armpit, armpit water Armageddon. And um, But your reward in the moment, once you've had a shower and done whatever you need to do to feel normal and human but you are hungry from this huge feat of carrying the lift and the, the fridge and the microwaves around. So in, it's a feast of your dreams. So I, I, I just would love to know if um, there's no consequences, I don't care about ethics, healthiness, blah, blah, blah. Nothing even has to be possible in terms yeah. of these answers. Yeah. It can be just the fantasy meal, but where you're in that place where you're like happy and hungry. What would you eat? What would you drink? And if there's a who with and where, then who, who with and where?
2: Oh, I've got two things in my head, and I need to narrow it down to one. No, you don't have both. Early. Can I have both? Yes. Well, one of my happiest meals was in Sicily, just by the by the sea, and oh. um, my daughter was really young, and I was with Hugh, and um, we were with this restaurant. We were in this restaurant called. Um, it was called Ducamello, mm. and there was this amazing—you know—it just made sense. a fishermen were coming in. We had this amazing seafood feast. I think I might have got the name of the restaurant wrong, and the chef was really rude. He called Aria a fat little boy, but that didn't, oh, t- no. <laughs> it didn't even taint my gorgeous memory. <laughs> this, he called your this, baby daughter a fat little boy. <laughs> oh, no, and it didn't. Really, it just bounced off, you know, because the food His was so the seafood good. seafood was so good, and the setting was brilliant, and the wine was delicious, and. <laughs> And that was just so. It was so perfect.
0: I don't think you can fat shame a baby. To be fair, it's like the only <laughs> exactly. time where there's fat privilege is during right. your babyhood. So, I hey. think congratulations to her.
2: Um, but also, you know, I really love the food that my that my mother cooked, and yes, and it's it's different now. You know, she's she's a bit older. Her mm. taste buds are different, and she has arthritis in her fingers, uh-huh. and and I feel like it's a real. It's hard for her to sort of cook the feasts that she used to create for us. And I would love to go, you know, back to that time where the table was plentiful and she would just, you know, she cooks for hundreds of people. Wow. She's a real party animal. Wow. (laughs) loves having people over. And, you know, spinach and paneer and dals Mm. and aubergine curries and um, daewarra, which are these like little lentily things that are covered in chutneys and yogurt and uh, pomegranate seeds and... Um, she's a really amazing cook, and yeah. I would really, yeah, I th- I do think I could ever beat that because it's it's not only I think it was really hard to say because isn't I mean I'm obviously really biased, but it's really amazing food, um, but also it's sort of really grounding in that way that food is and can yeah. be you know like instant comfort, joy, pleasure, all the possible buttons that could be pressed are being pressed at the same time you know it's like all the all the keys on the piano at the same yes. time bam, like right there
0: oh heaven yeah that would be great and um is there a who with and where
2: oh well maybe my mum
0: yeah i think if <laughs> she's doing family. all that then she has to be yeah, there yeah your family.
2: just just the whole i mean indian family is a huge but
0: get everyone there
2: everyone there get everyone there I mean if it's a fantasy feast then
0: yeah exactly and cl- we can all scramble in for it at the same time and yeah. we can all it's fantasy feast so we, it can't even stay in our clothes
2: right we'll call in I mean most of them in Leicester the family I've mean, just
0: invited myself actually we I've have. noticed I'm using the word we uh, yeah. rather than you but we can
2: call
0: in the doses that you had at
2: the, the place near the oh, station oh yeah
0: Herb Kyle yes why not yeah, Ma-
2: Mangalorean prawn. I mean, we could I want
0: to try that Mangalorean prawn. Ooh, yeah, so good. Four. All right. Thank you so much. Well,
2: thank you for having me.
0: Thanks. <laughs> thank you so much, uh, Tamira. What a brilliant guest! If, on the crazy off chance, you don't already have her latest book, East, please may you get her latest book, East. It's the absolute tits um i've honestly i before i owned it i went for dinner at a friend's house in um, glasgow and my girlfriend's best mate's house and um, we 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 had all these incredible curries it was like the the most brilliant and and, and not all of them from Miras book or whatever but we all had our we all like had our felt like our internal selves rejigged rose H, she was a former guest actually um by the fact that the star of the night was some Griddled lettuce. <laughs> um, and that was from Mira's book East. Um, she's just something else. Um, and the book is extraordinary. It's like gonna it, it, oh, anyway, i know have to stop wanging on about. It. By the way, I have not been paid in any way to advertise um, Mira's stuff. I think she's just a genius. Uh, I was very, very, very grateful to have her as a guest. Um, so be well. Thank you for listening. Um, come and see Hench on tour, follow us on social media. Uh, it's uh, at the hoovering pod I'm on there as at Jessica Foster Q Um, Mira is obviously all over the Instagram and everywhere as her name Mira Soda M-E-E-R-A S-O-D-H-A if you on the mad off chance you weren't already aware of her then obviously please follow her work and get her book East, come and see me on tour, come and see a hoovering live show, all the details are on my website and on the uh, podcast notes on ACAST for this page, thanks to ACAST for hosting the podcast Thanks to Emma Caution, my brilliant producer. And
1: until next week,
0: happy Hoovering.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus,